With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast World Junior Edition. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing great. Waiting for the tournament. It's a tournament that kind of each week we're wondering, is it happening? Is it happening? And at this point, I have to say it looks like it is happening. All the teams have arrived. And uh, to our knowledge, there hasn't been any positive COVID cases since they entered the bubble, which is very important. So as long as that stays the case, you know, yeah, there's going to be some players missing. But at least we're going to get a tournament. And then I, I know a junior tournament with a bunch of teenagers is probably not the number one priority in the world right now. But the fact that we're getting to do this right around Christmas, I think it gives hockey fans something kind of just to really look forward to. And this is a tournament, like, I, I, I don't know about you, but this is like one of my very first memories of hockey was watching the World Juniors. Certainly. And, it, you know, it's such a fun holiday thing, especially – I found, you know, early on when I was uh, a little kid, the the tournament didn't come to Canada as often as it does now. So you got those games that came on at like 10 in the morning. uh, And especially, you know, on Boxing Day when you're doing stuff with family. And then there's also hockey on while while you're opening presents. It seemed like the greatest thing in the world uh, for, you know, a Canadian kid. And then you you start getting into it and you get those classic games and, you know, like I remember John Slaney scoring for Canada. Um, And then as time goes on, it becomes a bigger thing. And, you know, this is the first time in over a decade that I haven't actually been at the tournament. So it's going to be very different, but it's still very fun to think about all the players that are going to be there and the level of competition we're going to see. I think my first memory of the tournament may have to be like, I, I know I watched like in 04, but I think the one, first I really kind of remember was just seeing uh, the years of like Justin Pogge and Carey Price and seeing the, just how much fun that was. And I kind of like when it's over in a year because it's, yeah, you, you get the games. That's how you start your day. And then you can spend the rest of the holidays like at night with your families. And it's nice. And this year it starts on Christmas day. So again, it's not like a lot of us have places to go this year. It's kind of a, a situation where it's like, all right, well, you know, we got it. So anyways, let's start previewing the tournament because this is going to be a lot to talk about. And we're going to start with Germany. And uh, the format we're going to do, just kind of talk about a player to watch on each team and then kind of go from there. So for Germany, which player should people be watching this year? Well, Tim Stutzel or Stietzla uh, is obviously the, the big kid to watch. You know, coming back from an injury, you know, the Ottawa Senators first rounder. He's going to be key. Uh, I thought he was pretty decent last year. I know, you know speaking to him, he didn't think he had the greatest tournament, but uh, you know, I thought the Germany's hung pretty well in the Czech Republic and this year. And, you know, we're going to probably repeat this a couple of times on the podcast. There's no relegation. So the stakes are a bit different this year where teams, you know, the, the sort of lower teams or the minnows, as I like to say, they don't really have to structure their round Robin the way they, 
normally did, knowing that there were certain games they had to win. So, you know, for Stutzel, I think this could be a, a great stage for a player that obviously lost some development time due to that injury this year. So he can get into games, he can sort of get into his rhythm. And, you know, I know he has the sights on uh, trying to get a spot with the Ottawa Senators, and this will be a great jumping off point. Uh, for him and, and obviously for the, the German program as well. They want to really establish something in the coming years. And that's the thing. With, with the Germans, we knew there was going to be so much talent uh, with this age group because this was realistically one of the better German age groups that we've seen uh, going in. We looked at potential for Mart Seider, Lucas Reichel, um, Stutzla, John Jason Paterka. And now we've only got two of those. We won't have Seider and one of Reichel playing for Germany. Um, this, again, with no... No relegation. That's really nice. But do you think this team still has maybe a shot at a quarterfinal or is it still just kind of a tough road? I think they have a shot at the quarterfinal because, you know, they are in the, the weaker pool. It's very top heavy with Canada and Finland. So, you know, you do have a shot against Slovakia. You do have a shot against Switzerland. And those will be the key games for Germany. The one thing that worries me is, you know, Tobias Ansika, uh, the goaltender, he was not able to come uh, due to COVID restrictions. So they're going to have to go to a, a sort of a, a plan B or a plan C, you know, depending what on their depth chart looked like. And, you know, goaltending already was not going to be a strength of theirs. So being down a guy that was at the tournament last year, I think um, really hurts them. So they're really going to have to rely on Stutzel and J.J. Pateka, uh, the, the Buffalo Sabres pick, um, to sort of drive that offense. And, and with Outsider on the back end, you know, they're going to have to really play D by committee. They're not going to be able to rely on Sider for huge minutes like they did last year. So it's, it's going to be a struggle, but I think because of the pool they're in, they, they do have a chance. Yeah, going out there and being Slovakia, a team that's kind of more of a work in progress more than anything, it's, they might give them a chance. And I think Germany, like – they're really focused also they have to be focused on next year when this is a team where they're they're going to be missing some of their star players we'd have to guess if Stu Stutzel is going to be in the NHL for example uh they will definitely have more Sider. so when you look at that that's something to keep an eye on that they're really focused on next year speaking on a team I think that's kind of focused on the future Slovakia who we've already mentioned who's your player to watch there well I'm looking at Martin Kromiak you know this is a player that you know he's drafted in 2020 obviously and, you know, when he came over to the OHL last season, he, he did not make the Slovakian team. I thought it was a bit of a snub. Um, but, you know, he went to Kingston, played on a line with uh, Shane Wright, the, the Canadian phenom, and Zade Wisdom, uh, who ended up being drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. And Kromiak was amazing. Uh, he really helped that line sort of come together. And he's a really skilled guy. Slovakia did not bring Maxim Tajkovic, the Tampa Bay prospect. Uh, he threw some dodgy hits in their camp, uh, hurt one of his teammates, and Slovakia decided they, they did not want him there. And you know, he since apologized uh, for his actions. But that's a big gun out of their lineup. And you know, Slovakia, they don't have a lot of top-end talent right now. It's been a bit of a drain in the, in the past, I would say, decade at this point. So, again, a team that's really helped out by the fact there's no relegation, but Slovakia, uh, they're really going to have to lean on Kromiak uh, for that high-end scoring potential. Yeah, not having Kajovic is obviously not a, not a great thing for that team because um, 
Canada could lose a guy like Kirby Doc this year and still have a good tournament. Slovakia, the, the town pool is a little bit different there. But kind of just looking from this team, and they got Simon Nemec and, um, and Slavkovsky. They got some guys there that are younger, that are like 2022 draft type thing. And this almost seems like they're just trying to focus because there's no relegation and they don't have to worry about having to beat Germany. But this is kind of just we're developing for next year and the year after that. Do you kind of get the sense there? Well, again, you know, with no relegation, this is a great situation for Slovakia where you're right with Nemec and Slavkovsky, you know, they can get a feel for the tournament. They can probably get a few more minutes than they would have gotten in a normal world juniors. And they can look ahead to next year where things will most likely be back to normal and the stakes will be a bit higher. So, you know, for Slovakia, this is a bit of a transition and it's nice that they have these high end kids that they can look forward to in future tournaments where maybe they can start picking up some momentum and become a little more of a factor than they have been recently. So, you know, nice for those kids. It'll be fun for for us uh, draft watchers looking ahead to future drafts uh, to see what those kids can do. And obviously for them, the experience would be very beneficial. All right, moving on to Switzerland. This is always a tough team to decipher because you, they don't necessarily have a lot of stars each year, but they, they got a team that at least works well together. Who's your player to watch? Well, you know, there's a couple of options. Uh, I'm going to go with the fantastically named Lorenzo Canonica. Big fan, uh, big fan. Yeah, and I know, I know you love your Swiss guys. Um, you know, this is the player that was picked up in the import draft by Schwinn again. Uh, we haven't seen him over here yet, obviously, but he's been playing pretty well over in Switzerland and, you know, putting up some decent numbers. And he's part of a group where, you know, there, there's some intriguing 2020 prospects. They're not high-end, but there's Brian Zanetti. Uh, there's Noah Meyer. You know, there's a couple of guys in that camp where <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if they can stand out because, you know, this really is a good showcase for these players where, you know, the level of play in, say, the Swiss Junior League is a lot different than it is uh, in Canadian major junior. And, and that's all we know about these kids right now is what they've done over in Switzerland. So for them to get a chance to see and play against, you know, the Finns, the Canadians, and assuming they get to the quarterfinal, whoever they meet in the crossover, you know, it could be Russia, it could be the U.S., it could be Sweden. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to see just what level these kids are at. Because right now, you know, we've sort of heard the names, but we don't necessarily have a great book on them just yet. And he's, he actually had a really solid summer tournament. Because like the one thing about Switzerland and Slovakia and Germany teams like that, a lot of these teams did play in a summer tournament, uh, their own separate summer tournaments, that is, and, and kind of got a good look at these players. And we didn't get to see the World Junior Summer Showcase like we usually see either in Canada or the United States. And, of course, there's been some other tournaments that have been canceled along the way. So the fact that Switzerland kind of got a chance to put their team together early, and, and a lot of these guys will come together from the U16 level. So um, a lot of this Swiss core has been together at some point for quite a bit and I think that's um, that's something to keep an eye on um, obviously this year some of these training camps kind of were cut short or whatever and in Canada's case it looked like they had this massively long one that had two weeks taken out of it it kind of killed half that event so um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly this team comes together but um, I guess is there really an X factor to this team that makes them something where they can go out there and maybe surprise teams because uh, group A is not the stronger one on paper and maybe they could force their way into second place, but is this, is there just enough talent on this group? 
Well, I, I think you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. For me, the X factor is the familiarity that these players have with each other. You know, when you look at teams with smaller pools of players, those kids tend to know each other for years and years. You know, they're, they're, all, they're always at the same national camps. There's not a lot of variation. So if there's an X factor for the Swiss, and this goes for a couple of other countries as well, it's that they know each other and that they probably have pretty decent chemistry. And if they can play as a team, then they might be able to grind out a surprise win or two. And, you know, it's not going to be pretty, but, you know, if you're the Swiss, you want to get to that medal round. You want to be playing against the top tier teams. You want to have at least a shot at a medal. And, you know, they don't have a Nico Heischer this year. They don't have a Nino Niederreiter. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's, you know, uh, really in the realm of possibility to see them going for a medal necessarily. But, you know, could they pull off an upset in the quarterfinal? It's possible. Um, but they do need to play as a huge cohesive uh unit and familiarity gives them a chance all right going to team finland and i i I know you already told me who your player to watch is but i think i could have probably guessed it quite a bit in advance who's the player to watch yeah anton lundell the florida panthers first rounder who has just been on fire over in finland this year um you know this it's kind of funny because last year when we were looking at his draft you know, scouts said, like, he's almost better defensively than he is offensively, which is strange for a teenager. Usually the defense comes later. Um, you know, and some were concerned, does he have that high-end offense? Well, I think he's proven so far in the Liga that, yeah, he's got that high-end mm-hmm. offense. I mean, he's been putting in goals by the bucket um, and really ringing up numbers. And I think for a player who missed last year's tournament due to injury, Lendell's really going to want to put his stamp on this tournament get a shot at a medal. And, you know, again, because of the way the pools worked out, Finland's in a really good position where, you know, Canada's their big competition. And, I mean, if they can upset Canada in the round robin, then they win the pool and they get a great draw in the quarterfinal. Even if they don't, even if they're second, you know, the Finns have proven that they're a really tough out in that medal round. Just ask the Americans last year when they lost one nothing to the Finns. And I think Lundell is obviously the, the tip of the spear. Now, so this is a Finnish team where a lot of people were kind of really caught off guard when they announced their roster. Patrick Puistola wasn't on the team. And Atu Ratti, a top prospect for the 2021 draft, also wasn't there. And look at Puistola. I believe he had uh, yeah, 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 eight points last year at this tournament. Like he had a really good run. He was one of the best Finnish U20 players. And Atu Ratti, again, a top prospect. He, I thought he had a good tournament last year. So, did, like, did that, was that interesting? Like, was that something that kind of caught you off guard when you saw that? It certainly was. And, you know, talking to people in the industry, they're pretty surprised as well. They're, they weren't really sure. You know, in the case of Atu Rati, you know, there is some concern about how he's played in the Liga so far this year. And maybe the fact that, you know, Karpat Olu had, you know, kept him up maybe – he should have spent more time in junior last season, you know, because, I mean, he is a young kid and, you know, he doesn't need reps. But for him to not even make it after being on the team last year, and I thought he played pretty decently last year in sort of a bottom six role, pretty surprising. So the stakes are kind of high for Finland here. I think the way they constructed their team, they leave themselves open for criticism if they 
don't go far because, as you mentioned, Puistola is quite the weapon. And Rati, I think, is a, a pretty good two-way center, even though he's young and just up to the 2020 draft now. Uh, you know, they still have some, some good talent. Vili Hainala on the back end, the Winnipeg Jets prospect, is obviously going to be their main guy, but he's got a pretty nice supporting cast around him. And then in terms of offense, you've got guys like Robbie Arventi and Casper Simon Tavo. Um, you know, there's a pretty decent mix of guys there. I don't see a ton of high end um, that you would have seen in the case of, say, Patrick Puistola, where you could sort of say, like, yeah, that kid can maybe hit double digits in points in this tournament. Um, but you know what? I mean, guys like Garaventi and, and a couple of the others, you know, they've got some decent potential. And, and this is their chance to, to really step up and, and be counted. And, again, the Finns are in a pretty good situation. Now they just have to take advantage of it. And the thing about Peaceful, it's like, the, the, you know what? We, we've seen in the past where some guys playing in European pro might struggle they might not get the great opportunities and Vasily Podkolzin's a guy that you look at him if if Russia only brought him based off of how he's playing in the KHL he would have not ever made Team Russia in any capacity but that's just because he's not getting a lot of ice time in a lot of cases but Priestla it's like he hasn't played well but it's like you'd think his track record of point per game point per game point per game in every tournament he's played at would be enough but I don't know it's it seems like an odd decision you said like the, you're bringing up the, the thing or that this team will be criticized if they can't score goals. And of course that also brings in the question of Finland is so finicky at this tournament. And there's always so many things we say, well, this could have gone better. This could have gone better, but this could be a team that could win the tournament one year, bring back some of that same core and then fight for relegation the next year. It's like, this is such a strange team. So what is it this year? What, what are they going to do? Well, flip a coin, right? Because we can never really predict it. You know, sometimes we say like, yeah, they just kind of look okay. And then they win the gold medal because they get amazing performances uh, from a couple of kids. And, you know, maybe this year it's, it's Ronnie Hervinen that puts them over the top or, uh, you know, Brad Lambert, who we'll mention earlier, uh, you know, maybe he's a phenom that, that puts his stamp on the tournament early, or maybe they struggle. Like I said, it's, it's going to be very interesting for the teams in this pool when they do the crossover, because if you're looking at Finland and Canada, when they play each other, that's going to be the toughest game of their pool by a long shot. So what happens when you have to ramp it up for that quarterfinal game against, you know, potentially a pretty good opponent? If you finish, if you finish second, you might have to face the United States in the quarterfinal. You might have to face Russia in the quarterfinal. So how do you go from playing, you know, Slovakia and Germany and Switzerland to Russia or the United States. It's going to take a big jump in that sort of competitive edge. And, you know, you have to be able to turn that switch on. And I think that's going to be the challenge for both Finland and Canada is to make sure they don't get caught in that quarterfinal. Yeah. And for Finland, they're going to just really want to make sure they're one of the top two seeds and the team like Switzerland doesn't come in and overcome we're going to talk about the final group a team a little later in team canada but let's switch gears and talk about group b and let's start with austria a team that has every time they've made it to world juniors they've never actually stayed in it for that and this will be the first time they get to do it in consecutive years and of course it's kind of a freebie this year but this is still a pretty solid team and they have one of the best players uh austria has ever had at an international tournament so in that case who's your player to watch 
Well, the player to watch, no surprise, is uh, Marco Rossi, the Minnesota Wild first rounder. I know, what a surprise. Um, you know, Rossi did not play for the team last year because he wanted to concentrate on his draft year with the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. It was a good year. And it was a pretty good year, I'd say. It was a pretty good year. Uh, he was the MVP, yeah. so that worked out pretty well. He got my vote. Um, you know, what was nice is that the Austrians got themselves promoted, uh, even without Rossi. And, you know, they won't have Timo Nickel, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, prospect uh, due to COVID restrictions. So that's a big blow to their blue line. But like we said with Switzerland, these, this is an Austrian team where they know each other. I mean, these kids have grown up on the international stage together and albeit usually at lower levels, but there's a lot of familiarity there. And, you know, Rossi is obviously the guy and he's a fantastic two-way center uh, who can put up a ton of points. You know, I'm interested, you know, Senna Peters is a guy that put up some pretty decent numbers uh, in the QMJHL last year. So I think Rossi will have some guys to, to play off. Uh, maybe not the same as he did with the 67s last year. Obviously, they had that murderer's row of, uh, of forwards that included Jack Quinn, the, the Sabres first rounder. Um, but, you know, I mean, Rossi's not going to be on his own. And this is a, this is a team that will know how to work as a unit. And again, the stakes are lower. They can't get relegated. So it is a bit of a freebie. I think what they do is they use this tournament to get as much experience as possible and just see what it's like at the top level uh, so that next year when things get real, they're not surprised and they, they sort of know what they need to do to survive. One other name I'll kind of throw out there is someone who, uh, at the time of recording, they, they still have two cuts to make, but I will say Marco Casper, if he does make the team, he's a 2004-born kid, he's 16 years old, and he's played really well in the, the Swedish U18 team from what, or Swedish U18 level from what I've seen, but uh, I guess, again, if no demotion this year, that should really help. Can Austria sneak a few wins into the equation and maybe put themselves in the quarterfinals, or is it just having to play against Sweden and USA and Russia just too much at this point? Yeah, I think this is probably your, your last place team because the only game that they can really win would be against the Czechs. And I don't see the Czechs sleepwalking against Austria because for the Czechs, that's the game they know they can win. Um, otherwise, the Czechs are going to be in tough against uh, those three big powerhouses that you mentioned. So for Austria, I feel that, you know, obviously the Czech game is the one they'll have circled as the, the one potential win. And, you know, maybe they can keep it close against some of the other teams if they play a really disciplined game. And, you know, and, and obviously Rossi has to be at his peak. But, you know, for Austria, I, I don't want to say they're happy to be here, but I think this is a learning experience this year. And it's one where it's a bit of a bonus that they know they're going to be in Edmonton next year as well. Yeah. It, also, one thing to say about Marco Rossi was that he, he did actually play um, – for Austria back in the 2018 Division One A tournament, so he actually does, this is not his, technically his first World Juniors top or first time um, playing at this level, obviously. But oh man, he was so dominant! And it was clear like this guy is going to be something special. So let's see what he's able to do. I actually had a theory because uh, he did had to sit out some time due to a positive COVID case. But this is a guy that I honestly thought may have just not gone just because he would have been focused on trying to make the NHL. But, you know, he's playing in this tournament, and any of these guys who could make the NHL this year, I'm, I'm happy they're there.
because we, we aren't going to be seeing that in some players like Nick Robertson and Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, now, you mentioned the Czech Republic. Who's your player to watch there? Well, you know, when I look at the Czech Republic, um, I'm looking at Jan Mishak, uh, the Montreal Canadiens draft pick. This is a kid that I thought he showed pretty well last year, uh, playing in front of the, uh, the home fans in the Czech Republic. And, uh, you know, he moves really well, kind of a two-way guy. And, you know, the Czechs, um, you know, an interesting team. And again, like this year, it's going to be tough for them because they are playing against uh, some pretty powerful teams and they have a decent roster. You know, in the past couple of years, we've seen some teams that had more talent, but they really didn't come together for it for whatever reason. You know, they had Philip Zadina, they had Martin Nettish. Um, couldn't score. Teams, <laughs> They couldn't, it was amazing. They couldn't score, you know, and last year I thought guys like Jan Misak and Adam Raska, uh, who ended up getting drafted by San Jose, they were the guys that really stood out to me when I saw the checks and both of them are back. You have Yermir Pitlick, uh, the New Jersey pick, uh, who's got great size. I think he could be uh, a bit of an X factor for them. Michael Tepley, uh, the Chicago pick, he's got plenty of experience as well. So, you know, they have a pretty decent roster and, you know, the defense is looking all right. Uh, goaltending, I think, will be a strength. They have three pretty good options in Jan Bednesh, Nick Malik, and Lukas Perik. Um, so they'll have to decide how to divvy up the work there. But, you know, this is a team where they're intriguing. And I think expectations aren't super high, but that might actually uh, help them uh, in the long run. This is a team where I think it's a perfect example of you just got to win at least one game to really move on. And in the last four years, they've won one game, three games, one game, and one game. So looking at that, it's like you just got to win at this point to avoid having to worry about Austria at this case. And if your only wins against Austria, well, assuming Austria doesn't cause an upset, there you go. You're in good shape. Now, um, th this team does have some things going for them on paper. You mentioned some of the better players. Uh, I like their goaltending. Uh, they got some nice pieces up front. And it looked solid when they played in the in the summer tournament at the, at the U-20 um, tournament against Slovakia. But getting to the quarterfinals seems, I'd say, pretty safe. Can they handle a top seed like Canada or Finland from Group A once the crossover begins? Or is this just another, again, we made it to the quarterfinals. That's it. I mean, I'm not going to say no. Canada, I think, would present big depth problems for them because Canada can just roll four lines and they have excellent elite talent on all four lines. But I'm not going to say no because they do have goaltenders that can steal a game and they do have players that can score. And the defense, you know, they've got some decent experience back there. Um, and you know, a, a guy like Stanislav Savozel, I thought, has been very good in the Czech League so far when I've seen him this year. Um, looked pretty comfortable against men. And you can kind of tell that he's, uh, he's got even more high in talent um, that he's just kind of reserving because he doesn't want to make too many mistakes. Um, could they beat Finland? I think they could probably beat Finland. Canada, I think, might be too much of a challenge. So for the Czechs, it's really going to come – to the matchup in that quarterfinal. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that they're looking pretty decent. The program, it, it definitely needs to take a next step. And, you know, maybe it's a guy like David Juracek, uh, one of the younger guys that, again, you know, takes this experience and, and next year uh, we see them hit maybe another level. 
but I, I, I think they're, they're in the mix, but um, it's, it's going to be tough for them once they get to the medal round and, and, and really even, you know, in the, uh, in the round robin, they're going to have to face some pretty good teams that will really kind of test their medal. All right, let's talk about Sweden. This is a team where all the headlines heading into this tournament would not be, not, not wow, this team is so talented and going to compete for a medal. It's, oh, no, we feel terrible for them. They're like almost our entire coaching staff, and a lot of the key players are not at this tournament, and that's a shame. Uh, usually it'd be more of a Canada, Canada thing where the reason why some of their top players aren't going is because they're playing in the NHL. But for Sweden, it's just because of, unfortunately, what's going on with this world pandemic. So, uh, let's talk about the positives. Who's a player to watch? Well, Lucas Raymond, I think, is going to be the guy to watch. He's been playing very well uh, thus far this year. Detroit Red Wings first rounder, and he's played very well internationally. You know, this is a guy that he's just magic with the puck on his stick. And, you know, he, he, he can play a, a, a semblance of a two-way game as well. It's funny, I was talking to... Theo Niederbach the other day, uh, another Red Wings pick who will most likely be the center between Lucas Raymond and Alex Holtz, the New Jersey Devils first rounder. Usually that would have been Carl Henriksen, the Rangers pick, but obviously with COVID, uh, he got caught up in that, so he can't come. Um, so I think Raymond is going to be kind of a focal point. Holtz has been very good this year as well for Jurgen. Um, so the Terror Twins are back, uh, our favorites. And I think Niederbach can be that, uh, that center for them, but that is going to be a big X factor. But, you know, Raymond has the, the game where, you know, he can, he can be that guy that makes the tournament all-star team. He can be a real difference maker. And I think, you know, him playing last year and getting some experience will really help him with this year's tournament. Now, this is more of a rapid fire question. Yes or no. Will we see the Terra twins at the tournament again next year? Ooh, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say yes, because the Red Wings tend not to rush prospects. So I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. I think, uh, I think with both the Red Wings and the Devils, they're going to let these guys, uh, you know, get one more crack at it. So maybe I'm just being optimistic for world juniors, but I'm, I'm going to say yes, just for fun. I'm going to agree with you there because the one thing I love about these tournaments is seeing the chemistry of players, especially if they've done it for a long time. And you never know in a tournament like this, how much longer these guys are going to play at the same level together. And that's just kind of the reality. Now, Sweden will not be at full capacity. Obviously there's a lot of key players. You just mentioned Carol Henriksen, William Wallander, among others. Does this team have enough to make up for all those COVID hits? Because we know that they're really talented and they've still got some really key players. They've got some good goaltending, but it, will it be enough? I think that this can be a team that medals, but I'm not sure if they can win gold. And the reason is their lack of depth at center. Even with Carl Henriksen, they weren't super deep without him. That's a big blow. So they have tons of talent on the wings, but they don't have a lot of natural high-end centers. And that worries me when you have to play against teams like Canada and the USA who have like too many centers where, you know, they're talking about Trevor Zegers playing on the wing for the Americans, for example. And, you know, with Canada, you know, I would say like 60% of their forwards are centers. So obviously some of them are playing on the wing as well. 
that would be my big concern with Sweden, but that's like only at the end of the tournament because they have awesome goaltending headlined by Hugo Allenfeld, the Tampa Bay Lightning prospect. They have an incredible defense as they almost always do. You got Victor Soderstrom, Tobias Bjornfot, um, Philip Broberg, you know, like they have a legit top six. So they're going to be able to hang with pretty much everybody. My only concern is down the middle uh, because that is such an important position. But, I mean, this is going to be one of the better teams in the tournament. All right. I'm still holding up that they've – now they've got a real reason to go out there and play better and perform better because they are going to have to make up for deficiencies in the lineup. And I think, you know, they've got so much talent that, you know, the players they lost definitely hurt. But – they still got the Terra Twins. They still got a really strong defense. They got good goaltending. I think Sweden's in a good a good spot there. But I will say this. I put out a tweet saying, wouldn't it be kind of disappointing if their streak of, like, never losing in the round robin ended just simply because they just didn't have enough talent due to COVID? Like, that's such a boring way to, to end a streak that's lasted as long as at least I've followed this tournament. But a lot of people were saying, it's like, well, who, who would actually be upset about that? It's like, well care about the history i'd say so but if you if you play sweden i don't think you you're too disappointed speaking of one of the teams playing against sweden and a team that i think really has got a real shot at gold team russia who is the player to watch well i'm gonna go uh with rodian Amirov, the toronto maple leafs first rounder simply because uh we've talked so much about goaltender yaroslav askarov i'm gonna save him for later um, but Amirov has been playing excellent in the KHL for Ufa. And, you know, um, he got a, a taste of camp last year and, you know, he, he played in the CHL Russia series. So he got a bit of a sense of international competition, but now I feel it's his time to really take center stage. And obviously he's not alone. You know, the Russians have tons of talent with, you know, Pod Colson up front and uh, Igor Chinikov is there, the Columbus first rounder that we all learned about uh, after he was drafted. You know, Kuznutinov, uh, the Minnesota Wild pick, is up front. So Amirov certainly not um, on his own here, but I feel like he has a chance because of his dynamic game and because of what he's accomplished already with Ufa in the KHL this season, where he could really break out and uh, and have a successful tournament. So I, I think he's one to watch. Now they've got the talent, they've got the big names. As a group, they went out there and won the Cariela Cup. Uh, at tournaments, a lot of the other teams were saying, why are they here exactly? And then they embarrassed everybody else. Can Russia take gold? I certainly think they can. There's not a lot of questions to this lineup. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, Askarov in net, uh, he's fantastic. You know, that's why Nashville took him in, in the first round. They're coached by Igor Larionov, one of the smartest minds in hockey history. Uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, how he differs from uh, former coach Valerie Bragan. Um, but I think the results are going to be the same where you're going to have a very good uh, disciplined Russian team. The defense is interesting in that they don't have an Alexander Romanov this year, but they do have a lot of guys that can get jobs done. You know, you look at Jan Kuznetsov, um, a defensive defenseman, Shakir Mukabadulin, who went in the first round to New Jersey. I guess he's kind of similar to Romanov in that, you know, he, he's got that big shot and uh, he's got size. Uh, you know, he, he still needs to sort of round out his game, but, 
you know, we've seen Muka Madulin come through in the clutch before at the World Junior A Challenge. So he's used to this kind of pressure. Um, Artemi Kinesiev, uh, I think is a pretty solid two-way guy as well. And then, you know, we already mentioned the forwards where you know, they're going to be led by guys like Amirov and Kuznutinov and Podkolzin. So they've got the depth. Um, they've got players at every position. And, you know, I mean, frankly, they, they just have that big red machine program where they're always in the mix for a medal. And I don't think it'll be any different this year. If they win gold, uh, it would not be a surprise. All right. Speaking of another gold medal favorite, the United States, a team where I'm so excited because this is like a, a cumulative effort of all the 2001 players have put together such an exciting showcase at other international tournaments, uh, thanks to the U.S. National Development Program. But who's a player to watch? Well, let's just go Cole Caulfield. Oh, right? wow. <laughs> my, my beat around the bush. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens pick. Uh, obviously, a ton of eyes have been on him at the University of Wisconsin this season, as they were last year when he was a Badgers freshman. But, you know, Caulfield had a disappointing tournament last year. Really, USA as a whole had a disappointing tournament, other than maybe goalie Spencer Knight. Uh, they really couldn't score the way we thought they would. Caulfield only had two points uh, in five games, which is, is pretty surprising. He usually has two points in many of the games that he plays. Uh, for Wisconsin. So I expect him to really have a rebound. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Coach Nate Lehman coming in. He's brand new uh, from Providence College. Uh, you know, I know speaking to him uh, a couple of months ago when they had their initial camp, he talked about being prepared for the pressure games. And obviously last year, that's where Team USA faltered against Finland in the quarters. They want to know that they can score at the right times. They want to be good on special teams. And, you know, from a power play perspective, Cole Caulfield can certainly be that guy. He's the trigger man. I mean, he can put the puck wherever he wants. And even when goalies know that it's coming, they often can't stop it. He's got that kind of Austin Matthews vibe when it comes to his shot. So I expect Caulfield to be kind of front and center for this team. The Americans have one of the best wingers in Cole Caulfield. They've got Trevor Zegers. They've got Alex Turcott. They've got uh, Arthur Kaliev, Spencer Knight, Cam York. This is a very strong team. But if we learned anything from last year's tournament, just having a strong team isn't enough. You've got to find ways to click. You need everyone to subscribe to every idea and, and make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, assuming that's the case, are they a favorite for gold? I think they're in the mix. I think they have – Pretty much all the elements, I think that, you know, if they have a weakness, it would be on defense where they have some very good players, um, you know, Cam York, Jake Sanderson, um, you know, Henry Thrun uh, was playing very well. Uh, he, he did take a, a hit when he was in the USHL that caused him to miss some time, uh, but he's back now. Those are some of the guys that really impressed in the, the summer camp. And, you know, Tyler Clevin came in uh, sort of last second because Alex Vlasic was caught up uh, with that Boston University COVID protocol. Um, but Clevin was great in the NCHC bubble for North Dakota. So maybe he can kind of catch lightning in a bottle. Um, I, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with their defense. Um, it's just if there was a question mark, it, it might be, you know, are these guys prepared for the other Titans when you get to that medal round, you know, are they prepared for Canada? Are they prepared for Russia? 
and Sweden. And luckily, they're going to get a crack at both the Swedes and the Russians in the round robin. Um, but this is definitely a team that could win gold, yeah. Team Canada, the team I know a lot of people are really asking about. And this is a team where they're not going to have Alexis Lafreniere, but they kind of got a, a surprise player that I, I'd say three, four months ago, I wouldn't have expected to make it. Who am I talking about? Talking about Kirby Dock, the Chicago Blackhawks. Now he'll be a sophomore. He had a great rookie campaign uh, with the Hawks, particularly uh, series and uh, early playoffs. I mean, this is huge. You know, to get a player with that size and power and skill for this tournament is just such a huge win for Canada. And, you know, to put him with a guy like Dylan Cousins, who has similar attributes, it, it, doesn't, it, it almost doesn't seem fair. Uh, but, you know, for Doc, he, he has to perform. And I think he has to be a leader on this team. So far, it seems like he has been playing that role. And he has a chance to, to win gold because uh, he has not played at the World Juniors before. He was too busy last year uh, playing for Chicago in the NHL. And then obviously before that, he was, uh, he was pretty young. But this is a great opportunity for Kirby Doc to really make an impression on the international stage. We know he's a legit NHLer, so he should be pretty dominant. Yeah, and again, when you, when you have a guy like that who has, was playing so well, he had seven points in the four um, camp games, and kind of any line he played on, he seemed to really make a big difference. And uh, I think that's going to be so exciting. And he started the term as a center. looks like he's going to be playing on the wing uh, with, I believe, Peyton Krebs and Connor McMichael, if I'm correct, which is one heck of a group there for sure. Um, are, are they the team to beat? I would say so. I, I don't think Canada is bulletproof, um, but I would say, you know, Canada and Russia – are probably on a tier and then the US is just a smidge below those two. There's two things I feel that can go wrong for Canada in any given year right now. One is coaching and the other is goaltending. This year I have no concerns about coaching. Uh, I think that, um, you know, Andre Tourney is a fantastic bench mm -hmm. boss. I think that he should probably be in the NHL again pretty soon. You know, he's had some assistant coaching jobs in the past, but he's the perfect coach for them. Goaltending is an X factor as it was last year, but they did win gold mm -hmm. uh, thanks to Joel Hoffer who came on and, uh, and really gave them what they needed in net, uh, especially later on in the tournament. It's going to be interesting in net because they have three options. They have Dylan Guerin, uh, Taylor Goche, and Devin Levi. It'll be interesting to see how they split up the starts in the round robin and who they go with once they get to the medal round. Because again, you know, we've been talking about how the pools are kind of misaligned. So my great fear for Canada would be that they don't really get challenged in the round robin and they don't really get a sense of who their goaltender needs to be in the medal round. And then you run into a team, say in the semifinal, that has a lot of firepower and you get caught flat-footed. That would be the worst case scenario for Canada. The best case scenario, of course, is that somebody seizes that crease. And I kind of feel like Devin Lee might be that guy um, just because he has that big game capability. 
doesn't have the ideal size, but he's proven at the World Junior A Challenge that he can be a difference maker. And with the lineup in front of him, you know, really for all three of these goalies, they just have to be pretty good um, because you know you're going to get goals. This is a team that should play in the gold medal game, whether they win it or not, uh, is obviously up to both them and whoever their competition is. Let's say for the sake of argument, it's Russia. I think it would be another classic gold medal game, Mm -hmm. but Canada should definitely come home with a medal based on the talent and the personnel they have at their disposal. And the thing about Canada is we don't know who their number one goaltender is going to be, but I think they're having a situation where uh, most teams in this tournament would love to have three goalies that are all put kind of in the running. I'd, I'd say it's more down to Durand and uh, Devin Levi. And if you're going off of performance, again, we couldn't actually see the second or the third and fourth uh, intra-squad games, but Devin Levi gets a shutout and plays out of his mind kind of in that short little period of time for a guy who didn't even participate in the first bit of camp before they had to shut down, which is pretty impressive. Um, so that that's tough. I guess, are there any real weaknesses with this team? And like, I know the goaltending is not their number one thing, but is there something that maybe you're saying like, I, I'm not too excited about? Honestly, it, it really just comes down to the goaltending. You know, the, when you look at their forwards, I mean, it's just a murderer's row. We've already mentioned a couple of guys. And then you have Alex Newhook, you have Dylan Holloway. Um, you know, we mentioned Connor McMichael. They're just so deep. I mean, there's so many players that could step up. And then you've got guys that like Dawson Mercer, who can be a real glue guy, who can be on your penalty kill. There's so many dynamic players that can slot into different roles that they're really prepared for anything right now. And on defense, um, you know, you've got great mobility. You've got guys that can play physical. You've got guys with size. Like they really have all the elements So it's going to come down to executing at the right time. And really that that's the only question for me is, you know, do they run into somebody in the semifinal, for example, that's just a little more battle tested in this tournament based on the pools. That would be the only sort of weakness other than the uncertainty with the goaltending. I'm going to ask for your gold, silver and bronze predictions a little later. So I'll give you some time to think that through, but, Let's talk about a few of the 2021 draft eligibles to watch in this tournament. Uh, this is, a, I think, a solid group. The 2021 draft, in, in my opinion, is not as strong as the 2020 draft. And I think that's kind of almost fair to say when you got Lafreniere, who was kind of a clear number one the whole time, Quinta Byfield, Tim Stutzla, a very strong draft last year. And uh, we're going to see a lot of those guys transition to this draft. But who are some of the 2021 guys you're keeping an eye on at this tournament? Well, I'll start with Matty Beniers from Team USA. Um, you know, they've had him at center uh, in their camp. And this is a kid off to a tremendous start with the University of Michigan, uh, obviously playing with that amazing freshman class. And Beniers, he's so smart. Um, you know, he's, he's so good in the offensive zone that I think he has a real chance to be uh, a difference maker for the Americans. He can put up points. He can set guys up. You know, he's in a good place right now. I think that's important. You know, I I think a big X factor in this tournament overall is that there's going to be a lot of players who haven't played a lot of actual games so far this season, especially the North Americans. But with Beniers, he got in some games with Michigan already, put up some nice numbers, 
And now he's, you know, he came into camp, seized the position. And I think he's going to be in a great role. Um, another player I'm looking at, Oscar Olison, um, for Sweden. Another guy who, you know, has, has got into some good games already, put up some nice points, um, you know, played against men. And, you know, as we mentioned, the Swedes are a lot stronger on the wings than they are down the middle. And Olison is part of that, um, you know, a very talented winger. It'll be interesting to see what kind of role he can grab with the Swedes. The last player I'll mention is uh, Daniel Cheka, the defenseman with Russia. Very intriguing kid because he's got size, he's got mobility. He's also played the North American game. You know, he, he has been playing over in Russia this season, but he was with the Guelph Storm of the OHL before that. Won an OHL title with the Guelph Storm. Before that, he won an OHL Cup title with the under-16 Toronto Junior Canadians. So he's familiar with the North American game. And that's key because obviously in Edmonton, they're going to be playing on NHL ice, a small arena. Cheka knows that game. And I think he can be uh, a good player for the Russians. They have a couple of guys that, that play over here. You know, uh, Jan Kuznetsov, obviously, with UConn being another one. Uh, and his teammate first off with the Huskies. But I think Cheka, this is a great opportunity for him to really show off his talents, uh, especially considering that the OHL year obviously won't start until February. And so for North American scouts, they haven't seen him since last year. Uh, they would kind of have to rely on their Russian guys to, to say what he's been doing over there. And we're talking a little bit about the 2022 draft. And there's one guy we that we for sure know at this point will play at this tournament, Finland's Brad Lambert. And he's part of that three-headed monster for the 2022 draft with Shane Wright, Matt Savoy, and of course, Brad Lambert. Brad's been fantastic playing in Finland at such a young age. What do people need to know about him? Well, Brad Lambert is a incredibly dynamic talent. And you know the reason he has such a Canadian name is he actually has a Canadian family. So he's not a purely Finnish, uh, but obviously uh, he's part Finnish and that's why he plays for the, the Finnish national team. Uh, his uncle uh, Lane is a coach, his, his dad, Denny, uh, played as well. So, you know, he has high-end hockey pedigree, uh, just a super talented kid. He can really put up a lot of points and it's, it's going to be fun to see what kind of role he gets with Finland because he is a young kid, um, but he is a a late uh, birthday. So he's not a, you know, even though he's not up for the draft until next year, he's not super, super young. Um, you know, he's older than Shane Wright, for example. So uh, yeah, Brad Lambert, one to watch and it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. It's, it's one where it, it's just funny hearing Brad Lambert as finish. And we've had a lot of time to like think that over, but it's still, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, I think some, uh, people need to temper their expectations with him. I know a lot of people thought Shane Wright should have made Team Canada. I was on the board of he's just there solely for experience. Uh, Brad Lambert is not going to go out there and rip this tournament in half. But you know what? He, he could put up a nice fight. He could start to really show what he's capable of. Now, we're done talking about those prospects. Let's talk about the players to watch overall for this tournament. All right. So going to do a top five here, and I'm going to do different – players to watch from the ones we've already mentioned uh, for the team. So for starting off uh, for Canada, I'm going to go with Bowen Byram, the Colorado Avalanche pick. 
Uh, I expect him to be one of the top defensemen in this tournament. Uh, you know, he's got the whole package. Uh, so mobile, so talented back there. Um, you know, he can be their number one guy. He showed off early in camp that he has incredible skill. And he has experience. He was obviously on the team last year when they won gold. So I think Byram's going to be key for Canada. Next, uh, I did mention him, Yaroslav Askarov. Again, another returning player. Had a bit of an up and down World Juniors last year. But, you know, I did an interview with him uh, a couple of months ago. And he was saying, like, we didn't finish the job. You know, we only got silver and we want to finish the job. And he knows that, you know, he got great experience last year. I expect him to be a beast in the this time around. And he's a big reason why they could certainly win gold. So uh, Nashville will be obviously very pleased to see what he can do at this tournament. Uh, next, we'll go with Trevor Zegers, the Anaheim Ducks pick, playing for Team USA. You know, this is a kid that, uh, Started out last year kind of in a weird, smaller role, but then ended up leading them in offense. Nine uh, assists. He had nine primary assists. Yep. Uh, just a wild tournament for Zegers. But, you know, obviously he's a fantastic playmaker. And, you know, he can play center. Uh, he's also been playing on wing. So he gets some versatility there. He can sort of fit in where you need him. I expect him to have another big tournament because this is a kid that, I mean, frankly, he's on the cusp of uh, the NHL you know, left Boston University. And obviously, you know, he's looking to, to make an impact at Ducks camp uh, when that starts. Next, I'll go with Victor Soderstrom for uh, Sweden, the Arizona Ducks pick, or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes pick. Uh, you know, Soderstrom, again, a, a player who was uh, very good at the tournament last year, two-way guy, you know, great mobility. I, I think he's going to be one of the big guys on their blue line. And finally, uh, for number five, in the same vein, Philip Broberg, the Edmonton Oilers pick, another kid who was there last year. What was interesting to me about Broberg is, you know, initially we thought of him as more of an offensive guy, thanks to his skating and his skill. But he was a shutdown guy for them last year and did very well in that role. So it'll be fun to see how they use Broberg on Sweden this year. But with him and Soderstrom and a couple of the other guys, you know, as we mentioned before, the Swedes are going to be just, you know, deadly on the back end. And those two guys will be big contributors. All right. Well, we're about to wrap this, this conversation up. I want to ask who your top three of this tournament are in teams, but we have to keep in mind, does it, it, we, we could say gold, silver, and bronze, but without actually doing equations of all the round robin games and all the possible matchups, yeah, you're, it just kind of, we could see two of these teams playing each other in the quarterfinal. We could see two please playing in the semifinal. Who are your top three teams? My top three teams in order are Canada, Russia, and the United States. And I think that is sort of the tier, uh, the sort of elite tier. And then you have a couple of other teams after that that are in the mix. But going with the, uh, the traditional powers, I, I think this is the year where uh, those are going to be the teams fighting for gold. Well, that just makes my answer pretty easy because they're the exact same three teams. So Ryan, that's it for this year's prospect world junior podcast. I'm so excited for this tournament. It's every day. It's looking closer and closer. Like we actually are going to get this thing underway. And I know we were both a little concerned at one point of whether or not this would happen. Uh, so it is pretty exciting time. Ryan, thank you so much. 